You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. Greetings, Hill City Church. My name is Scott Billings. I'm a pastor at Boise Church, a brand new church plant here in the Valley. My family and I are from Tucson, Arizona, and it is our eighth week of being here, and it has been wonderful. My kids love it here. My wife loves it here. She's originally from Idaho Falls, so this is kind of like home for her. And I have the privilege and the honor of sharing the Bible teaching with you this morning. Again, we're going to be in the Beatitudes, and I just want to encourage us, let's pray. And let's take a moment and see what God would speak to our hearts. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you bless us with. Lord, I pray that in this moment, in this time, that we would quiet our hearts, that we would listen to you, that we would be ready to hear anything that you want to tell us, that there's nothing in our hearts that is off the table. I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, that these would be your words and not mine. And Lord, we also pray just tremendous blessings on Pastor Josh and their new baby and all of the pastors and the volunteers here at this church. I pray that you would use them in ways that they never even thought possible. And we give you all the credit for what you're going to do in the future. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. How many of you have traveled abroad and you've experienced something called culture shock? This happened to me when I was traveling abroad in Ireland. I was doing a missions trip as a teenager. And for us in America on the West Coast, the peace sign means peace, love, good, happy feelings. I was informed by my Irish friends that it is not that way in Ireland at all. It's actually something quite offensive. Or maybe even in other cultures, eye contact. If you maintain direct eye contact here in America, you're viewed as listening, as attentive, as being respectful. But in other cultures, maintaining direct eye contact is a sign of aggression or a disrespect towards your elders. It's very, very different. My wife also traveled abroad, and she would take the bus a lot where she was going. Now, riding the bus here in the States is very different. Most of the time you can find a seat, you might have to stand a little bit, depending on where you are. But where she was, the buses were always so full that she ended up having to ride on the dashboard. <laughs> Which, if you tried that here in Boise, that would not fly. They would say, get off the dashboard, go, go take a seat. Again, it's culture shock. Each country has its own set of values. It has its own set of cultural expectations. And depending on where you're from, it can be a bit shocking if you go to a city or a country or a kingdom like that. But how much culture shock would you experience if you were dropped in God's kingdom? I would wager quite a bit because it's completely different than what we experience today. And in our series, Citizens of Heaven, we're going through the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes is very much a culture shock type of sermon that Jesus is giving. So just some quick backgrounds. Jesus is obviously starting his ministry, and there's lots of healings taking place. Crowds are starting to surround him, and his message is very simple. Repent, which means turn away from your sin, turn away from your old life, and turn to him, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
And the Beatitudes is the first part of Jesus' sermon on the mount. And he's on the hillside and he has all these people around him. But the Sermon on the Mount is not a prescription for salvation per se, if everyone just started acting this way, that things would be fine. No, Jesus upsets the earthly status quo and says, this is God's status quo. This is how things really work. And Jesus does this by direct comparison to something familiar with his audience, something generally accepted. And then Jesus, like Jesus does a lot of times, he flips it on its head. When the world says that something is bad, it might as well be bad, or maybe the world just looks down on a particular attribute, yet God in his kingdom provides hope. So I'll give you a couple examples. The poor in spirit, or you have nothing spiritual to offer. God says, those people inherit heaven. Or those of you that mourn, that are just crying your eyes out, that's not a fun thing, right? But when that does happen in God's kingdom, God comforts you. When you're a meek person, a lot of people say in the world, nice guys end last. Or you don't get ahead in business by being meek, but God gives the meek the earth in Revelation. It's a lot of real estate, right? That God does that in God's kingdom. Or the merciful person. They're kind, they're gentle, they want to help people. But the world looks at that and says, that's not strong. People are going to take advantage of you. People are going to walk all over you. What kind of a person are you? But God says, I will take care of those people. I will take care of you if you're merciful. And God is saying, this is how things work in my kingdom. And God's kingdom is here, like what Jesus was saying. So with all of that in mind, with some spiritual culture shock, let's read verses 1 through 8, just from the beginning of the chapter, just to get the flow of where Jesus is. So turn with me in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, meaning Jesus. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And here's our verse for this week. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The previous pastors and Josh has done an amazing job of explaining what blessed is, and we're not going to get into that. It means divine favor, to be fortunate, happy is he. What I want to focus on is the words pure in heart. If you look at the original Greek for pure, there's a couple of different meanings you can glean out of it. Number one, it means to be clean, maybe physically, but more specifically, ethically. You're innocent. You're blameless. You're, you're free from corruption. It's an innocent, blameless heart, but also has an interesting second meaning, and that means it is undivided. It's a single-focused, undivided heart. And the heart in the Eastern culture is not just emotions. It's actually quite more than that. The heart in Eastern culture where Jesus is, it's all of you. It's your will. It's your motivation. It's your desires. It's your thinking. It's your decision-making. It is all of you. It could be said that it is who you are on the inside. 
And when who you are on the inside is pure, Jesus promises you something. You shall see God. I think that's pretty crazy. It's not maybe you'll see God, or if you're lucky, you'll see God. No, it's a promise. You shall see God. You will see God. And remember who Jesus is talking to. Jesus is talking to Jews, non-Jews, also known as Gentiles, and guaranteed there's some religious Jews in the crowd and some Jews that are just doing the best that they can. But for the religious Jews, many of them believe that no one could see God face to face and live. They believed that if you saw God face to face, you would probably die. Or pretty much, you would die. It was guaranteed. And for the religious Jew, the way to get to God was through the law and the temple. It was a series of of religious rituals and ceremonies and different things like that. And through the temple, that's where they would worship. So I have a picture here of the temple. Here's just a quick model that you can see. You can see the outer court, and then there's the altar there where the animal sacrifices were given. And then if you go into the temple, which is that elevated building right there in the middle, it's the holy place. And so as you venture into the holy place, there's this veil, and you can go to the second picture now. You see this veil behind uh, the, in front of the holy place, and behind that veil is the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was a special place where God resided in a unique way. Rather, his presence resided in a unique way. And once a year, the high priest on Yom Kippur, which incidentally enough in 2021 is Wednesday and Thursday of this past week, so that's kind of interesting, that the high priest would go into the Holies of Holies with the blood of the animal sacrifice and sprinkle it around, and he would do that to pay for the sins of the people and himself. And so it's also known as the Day of Atonement. And there was a very real danger for this high priest because if he were to venture into the Holies of Holies and his heart was not purified, he would die. Pretty high stakes, (laughs) pretty intense. And we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Because by nature, our hearts are not pure. By nature, our hearts are not pure at all. And when you are now thrown into the presence of God who is merciful, who is justice, and he's perfect, like he's the perfect just judge, if you're not purified, then you are face-to-face with pure justice. And justice demands wrongs to be righted. Justice demands payment for wrongs. And so if you aren't purified, you're either going to pay your own price, i.e. your death, or there's another way to pay for it. And this is where the animal sacrifices came into play, but that was simply a small little preview of the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus on the cross. Jesus, who did no wrong, paid for the sins of mankind for all time at that cross, and that's how you and I can be forgiven and be made pure. And so that is exactly what the Jews are thinking in their minds, minus the Jesus Messiah cross angle. They're thinking, you have to do all these things and only the high priest go in and this mysterious teacher on the hillside, not in the temple, not in a synagogue, he's not even a Levite, he's not even a Pharisee, he's not even a lay leader. He says, the pure in heart shall see God and you're blessed. And the Jews at this moment would have thought of one word, 
heresy. Right? They're like, no, 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 that's not it. Now, later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus clarifies and says, look, guys, I didn't come here to, to get rid of the law. I came to finish it. I came to finish the law. That's why the animal sacrifices are a simple preview of what Jesus did on the cross. And he ties a complete bow on it. And the result, which is so cool here in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Anyone can see God. Anyone can come to God. No more rituals, no more restrictions. Anyone can come, and they're blessed. And Jesus simplified all of this, and he got to, uh, excuse the pun, the heart of the issue. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, you could even say if we contemporize this, they were the pastors of the day. They were the popes of the day that the pastors and the popes of Jesus' time specialized looking good on the outside, but not on the inside. They specialized looking really good, except for who they really were. And Jesus wants you. He doesn't want just the outside. He, he wants the real you on the inside to be pure. He wants you to be with him, and you shall see him. And that really begs a question. If we truly examine ourselves and we really examine our hearts and we look at our motives, which are not pure, <laughs> and we look at our hearts that, that are selfish a lot of times and they want what we want, who really is pure and innocent and blameless and single-focused on God? And here's the catch. No one. Unless... God intervenes. And that's the beauty of this. It is because when we ask God to change our hearts and we ask God to forgive us of everything that we've done wrong, that he makes us clean, that he makes us pure, he makes us that person that can see God. 1 John 1, 9, you know it well. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse or purify us from all unrighteousness. Psalms 51, verse 10. This is a prayer of King David after he sinned huge with Bathsheba. He committed adultery, and now he's coming back to God. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's only possible for what Jesus did on the cross to take your place in mind to pay for our sins. That's the only way. That is the only way. And in a few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what Jesus did for you on the cross. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And the main idea behind this whole chapter and this whole, this whole verse really is quite simple in the sense that simple, pure hearts see God. And that is a blessing. That is a blessing. And in terms of application points, I want to hit a couple of different groups here. For you, Christian, your heart has been made pure. You've given your life to Christ. You asked Jesus to forgive you. You believe he rose from the dead. He is your God. You've done all those things, but as time has gone on, perhaps your pure heart is distracted. Perhaps your pure heart has become divided. It's no longer undivided. Over time, chipped away, it's become distracted with many different things. 
And one of those things that maybe you're distracted with is earthly treasure, or rather treasure that doesn't last. And the reason I bring that up is because the word for heart here is also used in another place that Jesus talked about in Luke 12, verse 33. And it says this, Jesus speaking, sell your possessions and give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches or moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, Christian, invest in spiritual things, things that last, not things that don't last. You're saying, Scott, that we can't enjoy things in this life? Yes, of course, we can enjoy things, but it's, it's the things that have captivated your heart ahead of God. It's the things that have stolen your heart away from that undivided, single-focused devotion to God. The Bible would call that idolatry or idols. Sometimes that happens slowly over time where your focus just shifts ever so slightly. And God is saying, I want to be your treasure. I want that part of your heart. I want, actually, not just part, I want all of your heart. I want that focus of your heart. Oftentimes, those temporary treasures are a prison of our own choosing. Get trapped by it. It's just, it just never, never ends. And my encouragement to you is this, is really focus on what God wants for you and, and recognize in your heart, this has been more interesting to me than God. This has been more, more heartfelt in my life than God. This has been, you pick the issue, right? You pick the issue that has come between you and God. And the encouragement here is this, Christian, invest in God's kingdom. Invest in people. Invest in discipling. Invest in missions. Invest in your home church. Invest in helping the poor and helping the widows and helping the orphans. Invest in your relationship with God. God wants to be your treasure, nothing else. God wants to be that number one thing in your life. Again, those treasures can be tricky. They really can be. But God wants us to have the focus where we are saying, God is it for me. And I will do anything else and I will follow him wherever I go. Everything else, yeah, it's there. But God is it for me. And I love that. And this really kind of brings up the next part of the verse that we haven't really covered yet. The pure in heart shall see God. It's a blessing. When will we actually see God? There's two answers to that question. Number one, you'll start to see God working in your life and around you today. When you come to Christ, you can see God working around you today. Verse eight, or chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says this, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. And as a Christian with a pure heart, God lives in you guys. He's taken up residence in you guys. And you can have that spiritual connection and have that relationship with him where God can talk to you by the Spirit. God can talk to you through reading the Bible. You can foster and invest in that relationship. And then verse, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, 
This is what's really cool that happens, guys. And I love this. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirits of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When you look at your life, and you look at your neighbors, you look at your family members, and your situations, you're looking at it through a certain lens. You're looking at it through a certain way. And my encouragement to you is, instead of looking at things through the earthly way, let's look at it through the kingdom way or kingdom vision. Let's look at it through that lens. When you got your first glasses, and maybe your eyesight was really terrible, and all you could really see is, you know, dancing blobs. And for those of you that don't have glasses, I'm sorry, you can't relate. Just pretend for a second that you can't see. But for those of us that cannot see without glasses, when you got your first glasses, all of a sudden, all the detail just magically appeared. It was like a whole new world opened up to you. You had no idea that 4K could be so sharp, right? You had no idea that there was all that detail in the wood grain. You had no idea of all those things. You had no idea how dirty your car was, right? You see, a whole new world opens up to you. Or like, better example might be in The Wizard of Oz. It's black and white to start. And then all of a sudden, when Dorothy goes to Oz, it's completely color. It's not as though that the color was never there. It's always been there. You just couldn't see it. God was there all along. And before we had pure hearts, we couldn't see it. We couldn't see how he was working. We couldn't see what he was doing. But now that we've come to Christ and we have those pure hearts, we see what God is doing. And he's been there the whole time. He's been working and loving people and guiding people back to him the whole time. You'll look at nature a whole new way with a pure heart. You'll be in awe of what God is doing. You'll look at all those different things with, with the Grand Canyon and all the way down to DNA and then look up at the heavens and the universe and you think God is amazing, right? God is amazing. You'll also look at problems in a whole new way. You'll start to look at problems in your life as potential opportunities for God to do something amazing. It's still hard, right? There's still problems. There's still issues. But you'll be blown away when you start to see things in that kingdom vision. Perfect example of this is in the book of Acts when Paul is on his missionary journey with Silas, I believe, and they go to Philippi, and through a series of events, they end up in jail <laughs> because they're telling people about Jesus. And they're in jail, and they're, just kind of get the picture with me, just, just sort of imagine for a second what a Philippian jail is like. It's not like the jails today. It's really rough. So they're down there in the depths, there's probably dripping water. You hear rats scurrying around. You hear the clanks of the shackles and the chains. And then roughly in around midnight, you start to hear this. How great is our God. And you're like, what? Sing with me. And you're like, no, I don't want to sing with you. We're in jail, Paul. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Paul had kingdom vision. That night, there was an earthquake roughly at midnight. All the jail doors flung open. All the shackles came off. 
And the earthly uh, version or the earthly vision would have been to what? Okay, guys, it's time to go. See ya, bye-bye. But what does Paul do? He says, nope, we're supposed to stay. And he stays, Silas stays, all the prisoners stay. And the Philippian jailer knew that he was in big trouble because in Rome, if you were a, if you were a jailer and your prisoners got out, you would die. That was the consequence. But Paul stayed behind. Philippian jailer comes down and says, Paul, what, I've been hearing you talking about Jesus. What do I need to do to be saved? And then the Philippian jailer gets saved. And then his whole family gets saved. And this series of events turns into an actual church in the city of Philippi. And Paul had kingdom vision. And he was in jail. That's where it started. And my encouragement to you and to me, and when I preach this, I'm also preaching to myself, guys. What situation do you and I need to look at with kingdom vision right now? If you don't know of a situation, I'll give you a little hint. What was the most infuriating, annoying, irritating thing that's happened to you in the last month? Guaranteed, that's the situation that you need to look at with kingdom vision. You need to look at that situation and say, God, this is really irritating, and this is really sad, this is really annoying, this is really heart-crushing, but what do you want to do here? God, this is crazy. I don't know which way is up. I don't know what decision to make, but what do you want to do here? What could you do in this situation? What could you do in my life right now? A lot of times, God turns the messes in your life into ministry. That difficult person, ministry opportunity. You're like, I didn't want to hear that. Guess what? Kingdom vision. The difficult people in your life can be that ministry opportunity. God, what could you do here in this situation? I don't know. I don't know. But when we look at it through God's eyes, it completely changes everything. When we realize that God is up to something, and a little secret, he's always up to something. When God is up to something, we get to take part and participate in what he's doing with other people around us. But we have to have kingdom vision. We have to be pure in heart and have that kingdom vision. It changes you, how you respond. It changes the decisions you make. So that's the first way that you can see God today. And the second way is when you and I get to be with him forever in heaven, where you and I literally see God. I don't know about you, and the older I get, I'm not that old, but, you know, everything's relative. <laughs> the older I get, the more I realize, I just want to go to heaven. <laughs> I just want to be with Jesus. And I love in Revelation 21, says this, verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold the dwelling place of God, and it is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And don't forget verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, which is interesting, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, nor crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And my question for you today is, do you want to see God? 
He loves you more than you'll ever know because God wants to be with you. He really does. He loves you. You simply have to come to him and he will give you a new, pure heart and you'll be blessed. And for those of you that have never given your life to Christ, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of everything that you've done wrong, I encourage you, like, be bold and be ready to take those next steps to commit yourself to him, to say, God, I need you. There's no other way. I need all of this yuck and all of the wrong and all of the sin in my life forgiven. And God doesn't judge you. He reaches out to you with love and mercy. He wants you to be with him forever in heaven. And the second group that I want to talk with, and this is really close to my heart because I'll be honest, I used to be this way. I want to talk to people that have been religious, and not in the positive sense, but in the negative sense. You've got the outside covered. You look good. Nobody would know that you really weren't a Christian deep down on the inside, but you know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's this gnawing feeling, and you're frustrated. You're just frustrated because you think that all these things will lead you to God, and they end up coming up short, and you are, are confused. You say, well, I thought if I did these things, then everything would be fine. You may even be angry at God and say, God, like, I've done all this stuff for you. I've done this church thing. I've given money to you. I've done, like, missions work for you. I've, I've done ministry work for you. I've volunteered for you. But you're now starting to slowly realize that all those things without God doesn't mean anything. Don't get me wrong. Good works is good with God. But in terms of for your salvation, it doesn't mean anything. And, and if I could get just a little personal, I came to this realization when I was a teenager. It's hard to admit, and it's humbling to admit, that even if you have a position in church, and even if you're a volunteer or, or whatever it is, Wherever you are at church, it's humbling to admit that all the things that you've done before, you did for the wrong reasons. And you're worried and you're concerned about what people are going to think about you if you come to Christ. Because you're like, well, it, it will be shameful if I do that. And can I just encourage you, after having talked with Pastor Josh and getting to know the, the people here at Hill City Church, if you come to Christ... There is no shame. People will be excited for you. They'll say, I never would have thought. Like, what, what made you come forward today? And you can be honest with them, and you can say, it's because I realized my heart wasn't pure, that I never really had a relationship with God, but now I do. And you know what's going to happen? Everybody is going to cry. They're going to hug you. It's going to be so, so good. And I can tell you from personal experience, that that happened to me, that I finally got to come to a place where I had to realize and I had to admit that all of those good things that I was doing didn't help my salvation status. It actually was, it was actually a, a really sick and twisted medicine 
because I felt like if I would do more good things, then it would push away the guilt, and I would feel fine for a bit, and then all of a sudden, the guilt would come back, and it would just gnaw at me. And really what it was is God gently drawing me and say, hey, you need me first. You need me first. You need that pure heart first. And so you can come to God and say, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. And isn't that hard? (laughs) You say, God, you're right, and I'm wrong. I've got it wrong. I've been in church for years. But I see it now. And I'm sorry. I want to see you. I want to have that pure heart. And God will honor that prayer because he loves you. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I pray that you would give people boldness to take the next step. I pray as they're watching this that you would just comfort their hearts and draw them and help them make the choice, Lord, that they know they need to make, that they would not run anymore, whether they haven't committed their life to Christ at all or whether they've been in church for years or they've been in a, in a religion where it was all about rules and you're calling them. Lord, they know that this is what you want for them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness to take the next step. And guys, even as you're just watching this, just bow your heads with me. And whether it's in the chat or in the comments when you watch it on demand later, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you want to give your life to Christ, then I want you just to write a chat, just want you to write a comment and say, I want to give my life to Christ. I know that sounds really bold, but even now, watching this online, I want you to do that because the Bible says when you publicly stand for Jesus, that Jesus will publicly stand for you in heaven. It's very important. And so if that's you, just do that right now and make that stand and say, I want Jesus. And I want to pray for you. And for those of you that have been in that religious uh, system for a while and you've been stuck in there, you commit your life to Christ now. You say, I want Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be clean on the inside. And for those of you that are giving your life to Christ, I want to encourage you, just repeat this prayer after me. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's from the heart. It's from the heart, and God will make your heart pure. So repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for everything I've done wrong. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn away from my old life, and I turn to you. I believe you can forgive me by dying on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you beat death. Jesus, I want you to be my God. I will go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do. Fill me with the Spirit so that I know what your voice sounds like in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that have given your life to Christ, we are so excited for what God is doing for you. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, which now is you, for you shall see God.
Put on that kingdom vision. Look through your life now through that lens. Get a part of a solid Bible teaching church. Hill City Church is definitely one of those churches. I would encourage you to check them out and to be part of the fellowship of what God is doing here. With all those things said, God bless you guys. Remember, Jesus loves you. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church Podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.